This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Appreciate you tuning in today. Don't forget to visit our website at leonvalleychurch.org or shoot us an email at leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. Today we're concluding our Proverbs study. It's been several months, I guess, since we began. But we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 31 today, and that'll be our final lesson before moving on to a new series. I don't know what that's going to be yet, but uh, whatever it is, I'm excited about it. Proverbs 31 and verse 3 says, Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. If you look up to the top of that chapter, you'll see that this begins with a preface that this is the words of King Lemuel's mother, uh, and or an oracle of King Lemuel's mother that he gave to him. And since Proverbs began, you know, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs begins with a father's words of Solomon to his son. It seems fitting that in the end it should end with a mother's words to her son. And she's counseling him on different things. And specifically, she's counseling him on how to rule. He's going to be a king uh, or is a king. And she wants to give him some inspired advice about how to rule well. And I singled out that first part there because when you drop down to the end of Proverbs 31, uh, King Lemuel's mother is going to characterize what a godly woman is. So she throws in this um, this bit here about the kind of woman that can ruin him, the wrong kind of woman. And so she's warning him as a king, don't give your strength uh, to to just lusting after the strange woman because like alcohol, they can just drain your strength and willpower and lead you into sin. And only it'll only be a detriment to yourself and, and others. If you look at verses four through nine, she goes on to explain that. And so she's, she's urgently appealing to her son to use wisdom in making one of life's most important choices. And that is deciding who he's going to marry. And by inspiration, Again, Lemuel's mother is going to describe the wise woman and, and what she is and, and what kind of woman is really worthy of affection and praise and who's going to be a help, who's going to be able to strengthen him, who's going to be a strong spiritual force for good in, in his life. So if you drop down to verse 10, she starts by saying, An excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels and the heart of her husband trusts in her. And so the first thing that we notice is that this excellent wife is her worth is just immeasurable. Uh, and that gets our attention quickly when the, the Holy Spirit says that she is worth far above jewels or precious stones or whatever your translation might say. And when we consider what he has said thus far regarding the antithesis of a worthy woman, that shouldn't come as a surprise. So, we know we go back to earlier in the book in chapter seven, for example, when Solomon is is warning his son not to go and visit prostitutes and to stay away from adulterous relationships and things like this. And the woman of folly is described. So this woman is described who um, is is trying to seduce the young man or or who would be game for uh, illicit relationships like that. And so throughout the book, she's she's mentioned, but in Proverbs seven. And, and around those chapters, uh, five, six, and seven, uh, specifically, there's a lot said about uh, the woman of folly. And she's blatantly calling us to be unfaithful to our marriage vows. And certainly the roles can be swift and switched, and we can be talking about a man in that position as well, uh, blatantly calling a, a, a wife to be unfaithful to her husband. But uh, from this perspective, if, if a man should choose 
this woman, he's warned that she will be unfaithful in Proverbs 2.17 and again in chapter 30 and verse 20, that she is she's the opposite of this virtuous wife, that instead of building up her family, she tears it down. Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Right. And and house in that context it means family, right? So it's not talking about an actual physical building, but her family. She's gonna be a woman of neglect, Proverbs seven and verse eleven, and bankrupt her her family, Proverbs six thirty one, and ruin reputations, verse thirty three of chapter six. So she's not the point is that she's not just a mere distraction. She's not just a mere fun distraction as the world tries to construe those kinds of illicit relationships. But it's she is or he is a very destructive force within the home and just completely unworthy of trust. And also she is in the end, someone who's going to just wear you out. Proverbs uh, 27 verse 15, a constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. And he who would restrain her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. So there's just tons of examples that have been preserved for us and tons of passages like that where we can see and and hopefully avoid the consequences of ungodly, selfish spouses like those described in Proverbs, like those we find in Delilah in the book of Judges or Job's wife who told him to kill himself or Jezebel or Michal uh, or Solomon's foreign's wives who led his heart astray in 1 Kings 11. So we just have example after example of of how destructive ungodly spouses can be to a person's spiritual well-being, their spirituality, their family, and their fellowship with God. And all of these all of these bad examples that they, they don't just happen within a vacuum, right? They uh, there's far-reaching consequences for children as well, not just spouses. And so one of the first things let's go back to Proverbs 31. So one of the first things about the virtuous wife or the excellent wife in verse 11, um, that is said about her is that the heart of her husband trusts in her, the heart of her husband trusts in her. So she is faithful, not just in her marriage vows, but, uh, in all her behavior, she is first and foremost faithful to her God and her family and her children and her work and, and all of her commitments. She's, she's not a cause for worry. She is stable. She's reliable. So she's far from being, the that woman we discussed earlier in that Proverbs describes as just being unwieldy and rambunctious and destructive. She brings she's she's a comforting and stabilizing force to her family and she brings comfort and stability to her husband. She doesn't uh, gossip away what he has confided in her. She is worthy. She is worthy of trust. In verse 12 uh, it says she does him good. She does her husband good and not evil all the days of her life. She doesn't let difficult circumstances prevent her from doing good. She remains dependable. So life happens and and any number of things can happen during the day that would cause someone to be uh, discouraged or, or angry about something. But she she doesn't take that out on anybody. She doesn't let difficult circumstances prevent her from being the kind of person God wants her to be and from being the kind of wife and mother, God wants her to, to be. She treats her husband better than he deserves because she is first and foremost a servant of the Lord. And she is not 
pliable by circumstances, but she is conforming to his will. The next thing that we see in verses 13 through 14 is she's a diligent person. Uh, We find phrases like she works with her hands and brings her food from afar. She arises while it's still night and her lamp does not go out at night in verse 18. So we're talking about someone who is very industrious. And, you know, I think it's important to note here that that, this doesn't necessarily mean someone, a woman who is working a full-time job outside of the home. Um, or a career or something like that. If you look at this picture and certainly the historical context in which this is written, that would not be the case for, for this woman. Uh, She's engaged in some business transactions, but her, she understands her primary responsibility is to the home and to the family. Right? So there's some worldly nonsense about women who stay at home and care for the home and make it a, a nice home and a place where her family enjoys being, that they're prone to depression or that they're not as valuable to society as the rest of, you know, the, you know, quote, working woman who, you know, goes to the, to the corporation nine to five or whatever the case may be. But that's, that's not biblically, that's not the perspective. This woman, this woman enjoys being busy. Uh, Verse 13, she works with her hands in delight and she doesn't have time to feel sorry for herself. And she doesn't think that she's noble just for getting out of bed in the morning. She's very organized and she doesn't cut corners just because she's having a bad day. She is focused on her God given responsibility to uh, provide for her family. She's a provider protector and she wants to again, make the home comfortable and, and have an abundance for her family. Verse 15, she provides food for her household and all her household are clothed with scarlet. Verse 21. So this is a woman who is diligent, who is organized, who is planning ahead. She's not a procrastinator. She's not lazy in any way. Whatever resources she has, she manages them well for the good of her family. And so instead of bankrupting her husband, as we saw in The Woman of Folly, by overspending and running up debt and things like this, this woman makes him even more prosperous. She, she serves her family to increase their wealth, you know, perhaps earning money in cottage industries versus 16 and 24, um, or, or, or even doing that uh, working outside the home, right? So it's not that the Bible condemns working outside the home. It's just that the emphasis for the woman, her role has been the wife and the mother as wife and a mother. The, the priority is to be given to uh, the home. Titus chapter two says, let women, let women learn to be workers at home, to love their husbands and love their children. Right? So that is the biblical pattern. And she, she does it so well. This woman that she has time and money left over to help those in need. Look at verse 20. Right? So, some would look upon this individual as in, as dependent, as weak, or as trenched, entrenched in domestic duties and or being enslaved to her husband. And that's the lie that the enemy wants you to believe. It's simply not the truth. Because this woman described here is anything but weak. She's not, she's not being micromanaged. She has tons of liberty, right? Because she, uh, first and foremost, verse 11, she's trustworthy. Right, so her husband doesn't need to micromanage her. He he wants her to have that uh, liberty and do what she needs to do, and uh, and and she's a trusted helper. And that doesn't make her dependent at all. 
She is content to support and share in her family's success, and specifically her husband's success, verses 11-23. And so despite the philosophies out there who would try to paint this woman um, as someone who is just wasting her life or who has been constrained uh, by her husband or whatever the case may be or by biblical values and, and she's just sad, that's not the case. And I know women who fit this pattern uh, wonderfully, and I'm, I'm thankful that I'm married to one and uh, she is anything, again, but dependent and weak. She is one of the strongest people that that I know. And I love her for that. And she continues uh, to serve. And she does so with a great attitude. And I, I, this is an argument from experience, but I can, I can just see it. And, and I know the joy that that brings to a home. She continues to imitate Christ, this godly woman that's described here in Matthew 20 and verse 26. Jesus says, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus right? Jesus says you can't have your eye on worldly achievements. If that's where you're going to find your joy and satisfaction, you're going to have your reward in full. You're going to give yourself and you'll sacrifice yourself for that. But biblically, he's saying, Real value is found in, in being a servant. The one who is great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first in God's eyes will serve others. In other words, they won't need worldly achievements and accolades to feel good about themselves and understand their value and their relevance and meaning in this life because that is those things are God-given and they can only be they can only be found and experienced on God's terms. And God defines value, the valuable one, as one who serves. All right, and this is exactly what we're talking about in, in Proverbs thirty-one. This is a woman who is who is a servant, and the husband, make no mistake, is to he's he's to serve also, but he has a different capacity in which he serves. All right, so we're both roles of husband and wife, father and mother are roles of servants, but they serve in different capacities. Which is a study for another time. This morning or today, rather, we're focusing on. Um, the role of the wife and mother. And so despite the hate that's out there, she doesn't give way to hating, but she proves herself wise in all her ways. And she imparts wisdom to others. Notice verse 26, that she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And so she demonstrates, she, she demonstrates and, and is an example of service and kindness and wisdom in action, but she also discusses these things and she's able to teach um, what they are verbally. Throughout Proverbs, you know, we had one lesson in our series or maybe two lessons called uh, wise speech or wisdom in speech and how to use the tongue biblically so that we don't get ourselves in trouble with God and with other people. And And this worthy woman, this woman of excellence is a an example of that. She's discreet. She doesn't get her husband into trouble by saying foolish things. She doesn't nag him. She she builds up her husband and others with her kind words. And she teaches her children and her grandchildren. And so the world may measure a woman's worth by outward charm or beauty or the number of cosmo covers and centerfolds she's made or her you know her bankroll or bank account and you know how much she makes, but those 
But those things, again, just don't matter to God. Because those who are wise look to the Lord's standard of beauty and what he is describing here. And elsewhere, the scripture is beautifully consistent on this point. Take First Peter 3 and verse 3, for example. Your adornment, he says, must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry and putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So again, what does God value? The hidden person of the heart. Not all the sensationalism and the flair and you know the, the things that, that Peter names here, but a gentle and quiet spirit. That's what's precious in the sight of God. This is the woman of Proverbs 31. The one who knows that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Proverbs 31 and verse 30. And so, in terms of application, we have to ask ourselves some a couple of different angles. So first of all, if we're a lady, we want to ask ourselves if we're striving to be this kind of woman. Are we striving to be the wise, virtuous woman of excellence that's described here and elsewhere in the Bible? And if we're a man, and you know, if we're a bachelor, for example, are we seeking such a woman? And if we have found such a woman... Husbands and fathers, do you respect and praise her as you should and appreciate her as you should? Appreciate you tuning in today. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.